0: It is a Sunday morning, so you know what that means. Grinders, once again, it is our time. This is the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast. Good to talk to you early on the Sunday morning. Josh Taylor here, joined as always by my trusted associate, co-host and producer extraordinaire, Greg Finley, a.k.a. Jermichael. Michael. Whatever you do, please don't call him out of The highs get bad, trust me. But ladies, if nothing else, ladies, please call him. At the very least, at least follow him on Twitter at TheGFed. Follow me, Josh Taylor HD. Follow the show, Sunday M-O-R-N Grind, Sunday Morning Grind on Twitter. Interact with us. Let us know what you think. Got to give a couple shout-outs, um, a couple listeners that have actually been following along with the show and they've been letting us know that they've been listening. Shout-out to Pat Damp, who has been an avid listener of The Grind for quite some time now. A couple other guys that have been checking in and letting us know that they're listening to the show here and there. And I want to make sure I get this right because I don't want to screw these names up. So I got to make sure I'm checking these properly here before we get moving. But just appreciate you guys. Uh, Steve Douglas, I believe it's Steve Douglas on Twitter. Steve D said, uh, by the way, listening to the podcast, love him. Keep up the great work. So shout out to Steve. Uh, Shout out to Todd, who's been another loyal listener to the grind. Uh, Last week's episode, early in the morning, was like, hey, up early listening to Sunday morning grind podcast. So we appreciate you guys following along with us here. This goes back a few years now, as long as we've been doing this show. So we have we have still have some dedicated listeners. We appreciate all you guys joining in with us on a Sunday morning. We got a lot to talk about. We're gonna talk about some football here. We got NFL free agency to discuss. We gotta do another MLB season preview, Greg. Which which division are we doing this week?
1: We got the National League West this week.
0: So we're doing over under totals, and we're we're gonna pick some things apart here. Which means we're gonna have a lot of time talking about the Dodgers and the Padres. <laughs> That's what this is gonna turn into. It's gonna turn into this: the Dodgers and the Padres and everybody else. But we will discuss the division as a whole. Plus, we're bringing back a game we haven't played in a while. We're gonna we're gonna bring back a game called Pick a Side. We've got a few different topics to talk about, and of course, we will play our favorite news headline game. Is this a thing? And by the way, do we have some interesting things to pick from? One of those things we actually can harken back from a couple episodes ago. We'll talk about it when we get to that point. But Let's get started with NFL free agency. I got to start with a former is-this-a-thing topic that you yourself, Greg, came up with. This is one that you picked out, and this is what you have called from the very beginning of it being a thing. You specifically mentioned that NFL free agency might be a bloodbath. A lot of guys might get let go. A lot of players getting released, being cap casualties. And it has been pretty much true to form so far.
1: Yeah, they talked about how there was going to be a lot of different faces on different teams, especially at quarterback. And it's coming true now with the NFL salary cap taking a huge hit this year. And the teams are not going to just keep their players that they're thinking about resigning because they can't afford to do it. So everybody's going fresh now, and a bunch of these Big-name guys are becoming free agents, and yep. it's crazy.
0: 182.5, half million, that is the cap for 2021, compared to $198.2 million in the 2020 season, so almost a $16 million decrease in cap space. That's, that's almost 8% if you think about it, as far as what these teams are getting to spend. And when you're a team like the Steelers, who already are trying to do a lot to get under the cap, which they did... But now it makes you wonder, with so many names available in free agency, how many are there that they can really try to corral and get get in, get under their cap number and make all of it work? Granted, at the time of this recording, we found out B.J. Finney, former Steelers offensive lineman, he signed a one-year contract. There's already some rumblings out there because former Steelers tied in Jesse James. He got released by the Lions. A lot of questions for is Jesse James going to be welcome back in? There's a lot to really pick at here, but for me specifically, I look at a team like the Chiefs, whom on the same day, Mitchell Schwartz, Eric Fisher, their two starting tackles, both of them released on the same day, the Steelers are not the only team trying to figure out what they're going to do. There's a lot of teams that need to get under the cap and try to figure things out. Then you have a team like Tampa Bay who says, oh, here's what we'll do. We'll just sign Tom Brady to another contract, <laughs> and we'll save 19 million under the cap by doing it. So there are some teams that are in position to do some other things because they're able to do things like re-sign Tom Brady, and that allowed them to sign some other guys that they really needed to contracts, like Levante David. He's like, look, I didn't want to leave after sign after winning the Super Bowl. I wanted to stay here, so he signs another deal. So there are some teams that are benefiting from it, but there's teams like the Steelers where you're trying to figure out trying to figure out how they get in where they fit it.
1: We just saw New England is bringing back Cam. And uh, I was listening on my way in today on ESPN Radio, I believe it was Keyshawn Johnson, was saying, we probably knew this was coming because New England wasn't in on Stafford. Right. And they could have been. Like, Belichick offered a third-round pick. He was like, if he really wanted Stafford, he would have given up a first. But he didn't want to do that because he wasn't that high on Stafford, which means that he was probably going to bring Cam back. Which kind of stinks because we had an Is This a Thing earlier about Jimmy G coming back to New England and how he was going to be the apprentice to Belichick as the emperor, but it's not going to happen. It
0: was going to happen. Jimmy G was going to be the new Sith apprentice to to Lord Belichick. But I, I will say this much. We actually remember around this time last year, we were trying to figure out what the Patriots are going to do at quarterback. And I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in Cam Newton on like a cheap incentive latent deal. Just because they'll wait till after no one takes him, and they'll, they'll save money on it. That's what
1: they did. Yep.
0: But they managed to keep him again, and he could make up to fourteen million. But at the same time, there's a lot of ways that New England can go without having to really pay a lot of money out on this contract. They keep finding new ways to pull this
1: off. Yeah, they do, and they like never have a star wide receiver to complement him or Tom Brady, except when they had Randy Moss lighting like, up the entire league. But other than that. Josh Gordon got suspended a bunch of times when he was a Patriot, so he didn't really help out. Antonio Brown lasted one week, and then they had to cut him. Wes Welker was always their guy, and so was Edelman. But are they really top-notch receivers like some of these other guys, like Julio Jones and them? I don't think they are. You you bring up a good point,
0: though, because you brought up a guy like Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. When they did bring receivers that had quote-unquote big names— they were significantly devalued by then mm-hmm. because there had been some issues off the field. So their, their value, you know, off the sticker price had been significantly lower. So it's not like it's the same thing. Even when they brought in Randy Moss, he was another guy whose value was significantly, you know, affected for whatever reason. And we're looking at this going, wait a minute, how did he end up in New England? Because, right. you know, because he was able to come over in, in the deal that they made. And it's like, wait, how is this possible? So now when you see them bring in a guy like Cam, and I have to remind people, they had eight or nine players opt out last season. So New England was really not at full strength. Everybody's like, oh, Cam sucked last year. Well, did you see New England as a whole
1: last year? They weren't good.
0: That defense was not as good as it normally was because half that defense was not around. They were either opted out or hurt. So they really didn't have, you know, that was a team that really didn't have its teeth, so to speak.
1: You saw what they did against Seattle in that Sunday night game. You're like, hey, New England actually looks pretty good. Right. But then their running backs got hurt. Edelman got hurt. Cam Cam got got hurt. hurt. (laughs) And then
0: Cam got COVID. Yep. It was was a whole bunch of stuff that piled up at the same time. And you're like, okay, this isn't their year. However, you bring Cam back. Maybe you draft some help because let's not kid ourselves. This is one of those years, and this is probably not saying a lot because they do this just about every year. This is one of those years I could see New England trade down a couple times collect a whole bunch of picks and just bring in guys that they can plug right in and make it work because they've been doing this for a decade and a half almost two decades now granted it has been two decades because it's 2021 so there you go they've been doing this for two decades bringing in young talent plugging them in and getting the best years out of them and when they're done they're like all right we don't need you much more we can bring another guy look just like you they've been doing it for this entire time span that Bill Belichick's been there. I can see them doing that again.
1: Starting with their quarterback who they got in the sixth round. Right.
0: <laughs> Starting with their quarterback who they got in the sixth round. And and honestly, when you saw his pictures from the draft, looked like some kid off of Ellis Island who maybe had rubella, like it immigrated in like the 1920s. <laughs> You're like, who the heck is this kid? And then, of course, he became Tom Brady, and Tom Brady became the GOAT. And then again, he didn't become Tom Brady. He was Tom Brady, unless we're talking about, Last week's episode with Terry Bradshaw, then maybe he was Tom Brady before he
1: was Tom Brady. Maybe he was the ghost of Tom Brady. (laughs) Maybe he
0: was the ghost of Tom Brady, or maybe he was the astral form, like Doctor Strange. I don't know. We'll we'll touch on that (laughs) later on. Point being, we have seen this team do this before, and it's one of those things where you stop and go, could they do this again? Could they really reload with Cam In a whole different supporting cast and make this work
1: and maybe win this division again. I see it happening. Are they gonna be bad two years in a row? Probably not. It's (laughs)
0: very rare this team is bad two years in a row. It's very rare this team is bad for one year. Let's be honest. It's even more rare when they're bad two years in a row.
1: Yeah. That's that's why I think that they're probably going to do what you said. They might they might even add some veteran may even get a veteran wide receiver since everybody else is dumping everybody. Belichick might be like, we can get that guy. We can afford that guy. Yep. Because they have plenty of money to play with because they, they don't always, have anybody. They always have cap space. Yep. Always. I don't think people realize
0: how much they tend to have cap space. The The last time they won the Super Bowl, they were fourth in the league in available cap space. They could have gotten more guys and chose not to and still won a Super Bowl. They could have gotten more people with the cap space they had. They were like, nah, we're good. It's like
1: we'll roll with this. It's like whenever you know you're better than your opponent in one on one, you go, All right, I'll go left-handed, or I'll only shoot jump shots. I will not drive the lane. (laughs) That's what New England's doing. It's like like, oh, we could get that guy. Yeah, we're good.
0: (laughs) It's like that story of Larry Bird playing an entire game left-handed. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's Michael Jordan shooting free throws with his eyes closed. It's the same thing. (laughs) And they just keep doing it. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. But when you when you kind of I don't want to make it like a global thing. But when you look at what this league has looked like for the past several years, you got a bunch of teams now that have to really, I don't want to say slam on the brakes, but they got to really take it out of first gear and slow things down. Because now they have to try to reload. Because Kansas City, second Super Bowl in a row, they've got to reload, and they've got to reload their almost, I won't say the entire offensive line, but they need help up front, because we saw Patrick Mahomes get chased around. Sure literally chased around. We use that term a lot when we talk about quarterbacks having problems with the, the, the protection breaking down. He literally got chased around the entire Super Bowl.
1: He was running for his life, like legit running for his life. Linebackers would come after him, and he would run backwards just so he didn't get tackled. Yes. To, and then throw the ball away and somehow complete it. Yes. He, he was doing
0: things that human beings should not be able to do with a football in their hands. Just to not get tackled in the backfield,
1: it's like me in the backyard against my brother. He'd blitz, and I would run backwards to get away from yeah, him
0: yeah <laughs> it, it was it it's insane how they're able to they were able to you know, run him that ragged, and it's even crazier how he was able to avoid it that much. It was just insane.
1: did you see that Mark Ingram is a Texan now? I did see that so he's going to Houston. Deshaun Watson wants nothing to do with Houston. Which means they're going to get another quarterback, and they added Mark. And Mark Ingram actually wanted to play there. Right. I don't. I don't understand what's appealing about Houston. J.J. Watt just left and was like, "I don't want to play here anymore." If anything, for Mark
0: Ingram's sake, he only signed a one-year contract. I want to say it was one year, three million, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But for him, I see why the appeal is there for him because if he can go to a place like Houston. And perform well, especially if he stays healthy and play as well as he possibly could, that turns into more money somewhere else. So, for Mark Ingram, it makes sense. For anybody else, I don't know so much. Is David Johnson gone? That's a great question. That's a great question. I honestly... I don't think he is. Cause I don't think he is either. They
1: gave up DeAndre Hopkins for him. There's no right. way it was only for a one-year deal. And I haven't
0: seen any indication that that situation with him in their backfield was going to change. So,
1: No, he's he's coming back. So they re- they reworked a deal with him. Yeah. So it,
0: the one thing you do look at is, okay, maybe it kind of puts more depth in their backfield. And if you're Houston, you're going to have to try to find guys who are in the same position Mark Ingram is because the Ravens let Mark Ingram go. Mm -hmm. Mark Ingram is trying to find a job so he can get himself that next paycheck and maybe turn it into another deal. So I get it on Mark Ingram's spot. But if you're Houston, you might have to patch it all together with a bunch of those guys. Because I don't know anybody who's going to want to stay long term when the guys who were there long term want to leave. Right. So... That might be the way that this actually works for Houston. You might have to bring in a bunch of guys on one-year contracts that aren't making a lot of money just to put together a half decent team that might be able to compete, which is is that good business? I don't know. But how do you put that kind of team together and expect Deshaun Watson to stay? I don't I still don't think they will change his mind.
1: And it's also not good business when you are the GM and you are just ignoring Deshaun Watson wanting out. It's right. like, yeah, Deshaun Watson's our quarterback. No, he's not. <laughs> he already said he's not. He would rather retire than take another snap for your team. Have
0: we learned nothing
1: from not Carson back. Palmer?
0: Have we learned nothing from that? He was in Cincinnati and he said, "I'm not playing." He didn't show up to camp. He's, "I'm not coming. I'm not playing. Trade me, or you're going to find out the hard way." I feel like that could be that. This could be that kind of situation. And if you're the Texans, look at it from this perspective: you just unloaded a year ago. You unloaded your best receiver, who's one of the best receivers in the league. Deshaun, I mean, um, um, DeAndre Hopkins is top five, no question. Yep. You, you traded away, or I should say you you released a player who requested it, who was arguably, arguably one of the best defensive players of the past couple decades in J.J. Watt. Yep. I mean, you're talking top defensive players, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald. There, there aren't a lot, of, a lot of names on that list. So you have that guy who has decided to leave. He goes to Arizona. And then your quarterback, who doesn't want to stay there, is still there. You have a chance, especially now that you know what the quarterback market could become because we've already seen a quarterback traded. We saw two quarterbacks swapped for each other with Matthew Stafford going to L.A. and then Jared Goff going to Detroit. So you saw what the quarterback market could be. And here's the thing. I'd like to think a guy like Deshaun Watson could fetch more than a Matthew Stafford. So now you know what the quarterback market could look like. This is a grand opportunity to just blow the whole thing up, and start all over again. New GM, new head coach, new way of doing things, new way of conducting business, new personnel. Just start all over again and just give yourself another opportunity to just clean the slate. And they just refuse to do it. And I don't understand why. Because if you think you're going to keep an angry quarterback or even at least a a disenchanted quarterback and think he's going to just want to perform for you, when the two other guys that were the better guys on their sides of the ball are both gone, what are you
1: thinking? Right. Or are you even thinking? If you're blowing it up, you blow the whole thing up. Right. And, and you're going to get a better return if you make a trade and get rid of Watson than you just say, all right, you don't want to play anymore, retire. You're not getting anything out of that. So you Nothing. better you better make a trade and blow the whole thing up because the whole thing's already blown up in your face. I mean, what a terrible situation going on there. It's like Deshaun Watson's like James Harden right now. It's like, all right, if you want me to come back, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to not even try, and it's just going to look terrible.
0: Not to mention, we just saw someone else in their state, that same state. We just saw another quarterback get paid, and that was an ugly situation in Dallas. But Dak Prescott stared Dallas down and did not blink, and he got what he wanted. He did. God forbid if Houston— Tries to stare down Deshaun Watson, and they don't give him what they, what they want. That could be really really bad for them. And you're already in a bad situation as far as how you, how you're perceived. It's just going to make it look worse.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think I think the whole uh, city of Houston's in deep trouble right now. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, what an absolute train wreck with Harden leaving Houston, Watt leaving Houston. You already lost Hopkins last year. The Astros aren't the same team that they were before. They Ooh, lost a good no. bit of people, too, and, you know, the whole cheating scandal. And now you're going to lose your franchise quarterback.
0: Wow. <laughs> I, I have a good friend of mine from college, one of my friend brothers. His name is John. He's a huge Rockets fan, and he has not been thrilled with Houston sports recently. <laughs> he's a big Rockets fan. He's also a big James Harden fan, and he's still kind of upset about how that went down. He's like one of the staunchest. James Harden like defenders ever, but he's like, yeah, it's not like I got a lot with Houston sports to make me happy right
1: now. I'm like, dude, I get it. Well, you got the basketball team. The University of Houston's pretty good. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's about it. But I'm not, I'm not betting on them anytime soon. Nope, because <laughs> they keep burning us. And I'm like, no, no, no more money on Houston. No thanks. Love the talent, but the the, the spread says otherwise. <laughs> Let's shift over. Let's get into talking about baseball here. We talked, to, we we're talking about our preseason MLB previews. We've been breaking it down division by division. And for the sake of not getting too far into detail, we went with something a little bit different. We've been looking at the win loss over under, under predictions for each team. And that's how Greg and I have been kind of assessing each team. Will they go over? Will they go under? Greg's got the numbers. We'll break down each team. We will try not to get too far into the Dodgers and Padres (laughs) because let's not kid ourselves. This division pretty much will come down to the Dodgers and
1: Padres. Don't don't worry, I save them for last. Okay, good, good move, (laughs) excellent Uh, move. I would like to formally make a change and take the Pirates over fifty-eight and a half, if you will accept that. You're changing your Pirates over. I am. If you will accept that, I would like to make a change. Request accepted. Okay. I, I thought it over. We've had conversations, and they can still be bad and win sixty games.
0: (laughs) You have to be really really bad to win less than 60 games cuz you, you you see that you're like 58 and a half so to win 58
1: games you have to be 58
0: and 104
1: yes like that is all time bad that's like Orioles I'm not trying to win baseball games anymore bad that's
0: really really bad i i, I can't see them being that bad i see them being a replacement level team at best but i don't see them being that terrible it's, just, it's hard for me to just compute that in my head.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate you accepting my offer. Oh. Because now we are all square on every pick so far. Are you serious? Yep. <laughs> that was our only difference. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. Hopefully this will be a little different so we have a little bit of competition in this season. <laughs> for what it's worth,
0: I am thinking about changing my my, uh, my Milwaukee pick. The Jackie Brentley Jr. signing... Mm. Plus a little bit. I, I've I've kind kind of gone back and looked a little bit more at their pitching because we hammered their pitching hard. Yeah, we broke because we, we, cause I
1: don't believe in Adrian Hauser in that rotation to be I, good.
0: <laughs> I kind of looked back through it again, and I think we are. I think we were a little bit harder their starting pitching. Probably, probably we probably gave the bullpen it to do, and I'm wondering if they could become another 2016 Royals to where okay, if we can survive six innings, the bullpen will close this thing out. So. Just keep that under your hat. I may change my Milwaukee
1: prediction. Okay. Now I think about it. Now I'm like, do Uh, I want to change it? No. uh,
0: Not not to make you gun shy, but yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm starting to rethink my position.
1: All right. Here we go. NL West. I'm going to start with the Rockies at sixty three and a half. Wow.
0: I'm going to say over, but not by a lot.
1: Hmm.
0: Because this team still plays in Coors Field. They still have Trevor's story. They still got a couple of guys that could at least pop the ball over the fence frequently enough to keep them in some games, which means they're going to have to really overperform at home. I don't know how bad they could be on the road. There's nothing about Colorado starting pitching that catches my attention and makes it interesting for me. Marquez but
1: Marquez is pretty good.
0: Herman Marquez is good, and he's a guy, He's probably the one guy that I trust out of that rotation, and that's considering the fact that I was, in, in years past, I was a big John Gray guy because I covered John Gray a little bit to an extent when he was in Oklahoma. When he pitched for OU, I knew a little bit about John Gray. And then when he was um, in the Rockies farm system, he was actually with their AA affiliate. He was with the Tulsa Drillers when the Tulsa Drillers were still a Colorado's double-A affiliate. That's how I got to see a lot of Nolan Arenado when he was in Tulsa because hmm. he was with that team. Since then, the Tulsa Drillers are now the Dodgers double-A affiliate. They kind of swap things around. But I got to see a little bit of John Gray. But after he got to the big league club, he just never seemed to turn like, you know, you're trying to start a car yes, and it's revving, but the engine never turns over. Uh-huh. That's kind of how I felt about John Gray. He got to the majors and the engine just never fully turned over.
1: He could hit 100, but he couldn't locate it to save his life. He was a hard so it, thrower, but he couldn't locate. It's a good way to describe it. Because he was on my fantasy team, and I was like, "All right, this is the last year I'm keeping him. If he if he lets me down, I'm done." And I ended up dropping him because he just wouldn't perform.
0: And he was a really good college pitcher, mm-hmm. standout guy at OU. But for some odd reason, and he looked good through coming up, coming through the minors, he looked pretty good. But the thing is, they always tell you Double A is kind of where the division starts. It's kind of where that you separate the men from the boys, because in Double A, pitchers have breaking balls. Game theory becomes a lot more in play. So position players are a lot better that you're facing, pitchers are a lot better that you're facing. And I thought he was able to acquit himself in double A when I saw him, but between somewhere between between Tulsa and Colorado, it just it never turned over the way it was supposed to.
1: So you're taking the over.
0: I'm gonna take the over, but not by a lot.
1: Okay. I'm gonna go with the under. They don't have Arenado anymore. That's fair. And that's and, fair. And they also just I don't know, man. I look at this team. And I just don't see the kind of pop that they used to have.
0: That's fair. They've lost
1: a lot of pop.
0: And Arenado is the the large part of it. Right. Not only is their offense going to suffer, their defense is going to suffer. You're talking about a guy who's played, what, eight seasons in the majors and has never played a season where he didn't
1: didn't win the gold glove. And they've had him healthy at that position for their entire career. That's
0: guys (laughs) like that, third baseman like that, that have gloves that good and bats that consistent. You lose a guy like that, it's going to affect your team. So, yeah. to your point, I think I think you're, I think you're definitely looking at it. I'm being a lot more optimistic just because of the fact the fact that they play in course Field. But from your standpoint, yeah, I, I can count on them maybe winning some games at home. They have no business winning, but you're kind of bringing it more around realistically, where they can go on the road and just get throttled. Mm-hmm. And you're not wrong.
1: All right, so we are different on this one. We're
0: different on this one. Yeah, Okay.
1: we're different on it. I guess we're watching Rockies baseball this year oh, to, dear see, God. to see it's different.
0: <laughs> well, well, by proxy, we'll be watching them a lot because if they're
1: playing the Dodgers and Padres, we'll be watching them anyway. So there's that too. <laughs> Just saying. Giants over under 75 and a half. This is an under. Yep.
0: This is an under. It I, is. The Giants are, they are a team that are, They and they at least know this. They at least know that they have to start over. I credit them for at least knowing that. And I think they're in the process of, of trying to at least start over and, and figure out what they are and what they have and what they could become.
1: That rotation is so bad. Yes. I mean, Kevin Gossman is their is their ace. And old Johnny Cueto is their number two, who hasn't been healthy in a long time. Anthony Scalfani from the Reds is their number three. Aaron Sanchez from the Blue Jays is their number four. And an old Alex Wood, who didn't Ooh. even make it in the Dodgers rotation or the Reds rotation when he was with them, is their number five.
0: Di Clafani is the one guy that actually interests me because he's going from like someone's backyard to San Francisco's ballpark, which mm. is significantly bigger. Yep, That's the thing that sticks out. They
1: do get Posey back after sitting out last year. Yes. They're going to have Brandon Belt again. They added Tommy Lastella to play second, which is a pretty good add. Longoria is their third baseman. He's pretty old and yeah. just can't stay healthy. He's
0: not—he's not mid two thousands ago. No, he's not the same guy.
1: Uh, their shortstop is still Crawford. I like Brandon Crawford. Same. Yeah. Outfield: Alex Dickerson, uh, Mauricio Dubon. He's actually a pretty good player. Yeah, y- Yastrzemski. They got a couple young guys that
0: you're like, okay, let's let's see what these young guys can do. Because mm-hmm. outside of that, they got a couple guys that can hit a little bit. You still got belt. You still got Posey.
1: You stretch you got can't He
0: can swing it too. So you got a few guys with a little bit of talent on, on the on, on that side of it. I don't know how the pitching will hold up, but they're a team they're you're gonna they're gonna be slightly below the middle. Yeah. They'll they'll be on that lower let lower part of the cusp.
1: I say they win seventy to seventy two. I would agree with that. So we take the under. Yep. So we are even there. Uh Diamondbacks seventy four and a half.
0: I got to go under. If only because. It, you you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm trying to remember just who comes back with this team that can put them over that number. And I don't hear enough names to do it.
1: Uh, David Peralta. Kettle Marte. And that's pretty much it. That's it. it
0: there, there's, there is not. And there needs to be a collection
1: of guys. Madison Bumgarner is their number three. And it's not. It's it, not a good Madison Bumgarner. This is not
0: 2015 Madison Bumgarner. No. Was it 20, no, 2014 Madison Bumgarner. No. 2014 Madison Bumgarner was a freaking cyborg. Like
1: He started one game, then he closed the next one in the World Series. And
0: no one could hit him. No one. He reminded me, Madison Bumgarner in 2014 reminded me of Randy Johnson in 2001 when he just could not be stopped. That's he were, and him and Curt Schilling you know, pitched the Diamondbacks all the way to beating the Yankees in the World Series. Yes. That's what he reminded me of. That's how good he
1: was. And they don't have that Madison Bumgarner.
0: No. He's, that's, that guy's seven years removed. Mm. It's just
1: not the same And a new. bunch of injuries, too. A lot
0: of injuries. And, and that's part of why. He's not the same guy. Let's not kid ourselves. There are a couple of guys I do like, though, because I do like Nick Ahmed. Nick Ahmed's a very talented player, but he's also getting to that point where you're maybe going to get maybe one or two more good seasons of Nick Ahmed because he's at that age where there's going to be fewer good years now than there will be bad years Mm. because he's going to turn that corner. At least traditionally, historically speaking, that's what you're able to at least anticipate outside of that. I think you're right. There isn't enough here. Christian Walker is a guy that interests me a little bit at first base, but he's another guy. He's 29. Like, how much more can you expect out of Christian Walker in these next few years if you're a 29 year old first baseman?
1: This is he's been behind Goldschmidt that long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: It's this is what happens when you're organizationally blocked. This is
1: what happens. <laughs> you're stuck
0: behind one of the best first basemen in the game. It, but there aren't enough names there that make me look at it and say, "Okay, this team can turn the corner." So I, I got to stick with I got to stick with the younger. So uh, the under, I
1: should say. So of these three teams, and I'll take the under as well. Of these three teams of the bottom of the West, who comes in third place? San Francisco.
0: You take the Giants. Giants finish in third, just because they have enough names to win them games that they probably would lose if they were Colorado or Arizona. They'll have just enough pitching, they'll have just enough veteran guys. They they will be the quintessential team that has a lot of veteran talent, but they're not going anywhere because they don't have enough kids and they don't have enough pitching.
1: So the Dodgers and Padres could both win 95-plus. Yes. And the next best team could be 25 games back. In third place. Yep. Is what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at. This division is garbage. Between, (laughs) after the Padres and the Dodgers. I will reiterate
0: my original position. The NL West is the Dodgers and the Padres, and then everyone else. Oh, my. That's it. If another team in this division contends, I will be massively surprised because I don't see how it's possible.
1: No, I don't either.
0: Unless the Diamondbacks have a bunch of hidden talent that we just did not see coming, and there's some hitting vigorish mixed in there that we didn't anticipate.
1: Other than that, I don't see it. I don't either. Okay, now we move on to our top two teams. Let's get to the fun part. This might take all day. The Padres, over 94.5. I am taking the over. Oh, I'm over. I'm,
0: tol- I'm totally taking the over with this team. And we've we talked enough about what they did in the offseason. Everybody they brought in. Just just to remind people what this team did. They traded for Blake Snow, first of all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They traded for Blake Snow. Then they traded for you Darvish. Yes, they did. And that was after they had already brought in Mike Clevenger, whom they're probably not going to see a lot of because he's coming off of injury. So we probably won't see him until 2022. And they
1: don't even need him this And they year. don't <laughs> even need him.
0: Because you still have Chris Paddock. You still have... Um, Lamette.
1: You still have Lamette, whom I really, really like. Same. And they traded for Musgrove. Oh, yeah, they traded for
0: Joe Musgrove, too, who's a San Diego guy. And we figured out that when he actually gets a half-decent offense, he's a pretty good pitcher. But if, if Joe Musgrove is on the back end of your rotation, and he's a guy who can probably pitch pretty well when he's got, de- when he's got decent offense, a league average offense would have won Joe Musgrove 12 to 15 games last year. But where was he playing?
1: Mm. He
0: was playing in Pittsburgh. Correct. That's kind of the problem. (laughs) But you're going to give him a better than league average offense. We're talking top five maybe in the league offense. And he's on the back end of your rotation pitching against some of your worst guys. Joe Musgrove will look a lot better this year than he did last year in Pittsburgh. And oh, yeah, by the way, he's pitching on a much more pitcher-friendly ballpark for hopefully more than half of those starts. Right. So that's, that's the difference. And we're that's just the rotation. But they've had so much of a change over there, and they lost Joey Lucchese, and it won't matter.
1: Right. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't even matter. It doesn't then even you look, register. Then you look at their bullpen. They just added Kella. Keone Kella. They have Stammen, who's good. Drew Stammen. Oh,
0: Craig Stammen, excuse me, is pretty good.
1: Drew Pomerantz and Emilio Pagan, who's on my fantasy team, who I really like. And, oh, yeah, they have Mark Melanson now as their closer.
0: Drew Pomerantz coming in and that bullpen being the lefty out of that bullpen. That is one of those moves. We can talk about Darvish. We can talk about bringing in Snell and Musgrove and all those other things. We can talk about Melanson. Drew Pomerantz, Drew, Drew Pomerantz being the guy coming out of that bullpen, maybe one of those like short-inning lefties, that's scary. Yep. That's really, really not fair.
1: That could be Pomerantz in the seventh, Pagan in the eighth, Melanson in the ninth, and Kella in the sixth. If you even need that many bullpen arms because your starters are so good, they might get you seven innings. Your
0: starters could go you six. (laughs) In Blake Snell's case, you're hoping your starter will go at least six. Am I right? (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) Just saying. But it it stands to reason. We've been talking about this. What does this team lack?
1: Is there anything they don't have? It was pitching, and they added a ton of it. Right. They already already, uh, addressed what they were lacking. Now they just – Need to hit the ball, and they have plenty of those guys.
0: (laughs) And not only did they address the pitching problem, they also have one of the best farm systems in MLB. They didn't give up any of their top prospects Mm. to reload
1: their pitching. Yeah, they got Mackenzie Gore coming up pretty soon. So if somebody gets hurt, they're going to bring up their number one prospect in baseball to fill in.
0: The number one prospect in baseball right now has nowhere to fill because their pitching's that good. They don't
1: need him. Yeah. The
0: number one prospect in baseball is blocked.
1: And if somebody what? gets if somebody gets hurt, that's whenever he's going to be up. Yeah, that's when you're going to see him. That's how stacked they are. My goodness. And
0: it still may not be enough. Yep. Which, which is terrifying.
1: Yeah. Which is really exciting for a baseball fan like us. Yes. Especially for somebody that works a night shift that can now watch West Coast baseball. Like you, yes. All the time. <laughs> I, I thoroughly anticipate
0: whether it's on my phone or on my iPad, having some late nights where I'm up with my son and probably watching some
1: West Coast baseball. And we will be texting each other about how angry we are that our minus one and a half is about to not hit because it, our bullpen is blowing.
0: Yep, <laughs> the run line bets are probably going to come in plenteous. You're, you're not wrong. You are so not wrong. But you and I, do we agree
1: on the 94 on the over? I'm on the over, too. Yeah. This team this team's loaded. That takes us to the Dodgers, 102 and a hundred and two and a half. Look, I think I think you could have put it at 110 and a half, and I would have taken the over. I mean, this team already didn't need to add, and then they went ahead and added Trevor Bauer. Okay. <laughs> Game over.
0: You're, you're talking about a team that could challenge for the MLB record for wins in a season. That's how good this Dodgers, this Dodgers team could be. Mm. They could challenge for that record for wins in a season. That that should scare you. That should scare everybody. That's not San Diego. And I'll throw this out there. We're not just talking about the two best teams in the division. We're talking about the two best teams in the National League in the same division.
1: Yeah, this is like NL Central whenever it was the Cubs, the Cardinals and the Brewers all competing for the number one seed. Because they were all that good. This is like in between 2013 and 2015, that's what it was. You yes. had two or
0: three NL Central teams that were in the hunt consistently. And the
1: Pirates were involved, too, at that time. Yeah. Uh,
0: so you had, four, you had four teams. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you, you literally had Pirates in the wild card game three years in a row. You had the Cubs who were involved in the wild card game once or twice. You had the, the Reds who were involved in the wild card game once. And you had, you had the, that Cubs team in 2015. That was good. They got to the wild card game, but then they won the World Series the year after. Right. That's how talented those teams in that division was. Now, you don't have three or four in this case. You just got two that are going to torture a lot of people.
1: A lot you think, of people. You think the Rockies, the uh, Diamondbacks, and the Giants all just, like, dread these 36 games on their schedule? They're yes. Like, oh, they're coming to town this weekend? Really? <laughs> Yes, I mean, how can you want to face that, especially at Coors Field?
0: Especially if you're Colorado. i was about to say—especially if you're Colorado.
1: Do you really want to face that? Those two lineups at that ballpark?
0: Those guys will—they will smash the ball all over the freaking Rockies.
1: Take Mountains. take the over every time.
0: Seriously, <laughs> when the when the Padres and the Dodgers go to Colorado, take the over. Thank us later. Hell, send us a kickback.
1: It just I'm and take telling and you. take the over just on the opponent. Don't take the over on the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> just like if the if it's over five and a half for the Dodgers, you you take, take that. the over. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. I can't even argue with that. Yep. So for the NL West, we are we're we're on the same plane except for one team. We we
1: differ on the Rockies. We differ on the Rockies, but we're the same with everybody else. So, Dodgers, Padres. Giants, Dbacks, Rockies—is that the order we're thinking? That's what I'm thinking. You would okay. Yeah. Rockies finish in the basement. Rockies, Rockies finish in the basement. But it'll—it's going to be a tight race between those bottom three teams to get third place. I honestly,
0: I, I think the Giants will be firmly there. You think so? There, there might be a little bit of a toggle between them and Arizona for a minute, but I think they will eventually pull away. Okay. But because the, they have just enough veterans. Just enough veteran experience to win them 75
1: games. Can we also discuss how unfair it is that only one team out of this division will be the one seed and the other one is a wild card team? Yes. Which means that if you finish second in the NL Central or the NL East, like if the Mets somehow don't get first place because the Braves beat them out, they have to go face the Padres? Yes. Yeah. If
0: you're the team in the NL East that finishes in second place,
1: you are playing the Padres. You're
0: probably playing the Padres. Or if some miracle happens, it's gonna be the Dodgers. And that's not a miracle you want to be a part of.
1: Oh my. How is that fair? <laughs> and they're not doing expanded postseason, so this is really what they're doing this, this year. This is what it is. It's back to the one game in. Yep. Oh. This is the reality. Josh, that just hit me. What if the Mets come in second in the East and they gotta play the Padres? Good luck. Oh.
0: Good. <laughs> Look, this is one of those times where you hope the Mets win more games. You hope the Mets win more games than the Padres, and I frankly do not see that happening.
1: I hope they win more than the Braves then. I hope they yeah. just win the division, and I don't have to worry about that yeah. until the next round.
0: If, if you are the Braves or you are the Mets, your mindset has to be we have to go nuts and win the division. They, they have no choice. Uh-huh. You do not want to be the team. That has to leave, especially if you're in New York. You got to fly from New York all the way to freaking San Diego to face that team in one game. Yep, <laughs> and that game's gonna be on the West Coast, probably at West Coast time, so it's gonna be on a little bit later at night.
1: I'm not excited about that thought. So, but, so i uh, they, Dios, they, they okay? better win the division. <laughs> yes, if
0: you're a t- if you're that team in the NL East, if you're the Braves or the Mets. You better win the division. Or via con Dios. Good luck. Because, yeah, going with God might be the one thing that saves you against facing the Padres, or God forbid you face the Dodgers in one game. Could you imagine if the Padres won this division? Dude, no. Like, <laughs>
1: there's what? no way. I, we say there's no way. But... If, if the Dodgers aren't fully healthy, it could happen. But if they're fully healthy, how? How are they not going to win this division? There's one thing we haven't
0: discussed yet. We, we've talked about these two teams beating up on everybody else in in the division. We
1: haven't talked about them facing each other. That's true.
0: The Padres will match up better with the Dodgers than I think people really
1: anticipate. Oh, of course. that The rotation and the offense are going to complement each other against each other. Yeah. I mean, Kershaw's going to shove against lefties, but the Padres still have some good right-handed hitters, including Fernando Tatis Jr. Who they just paid a ton of money to. Right. So... There's that. And then the other side, the Dodgers have a bunch of lefties, which means Blake Snell's gonna match up very well against them. You see where I'm going with this. Yeah. This the there could
0: be some games where it could be like two to one or it might be nine to seven. You just don't know.
1: I think for sure we can at least agree that it's going to be must-see television when these two teams play every night this season.
0: You, You know what I would like to see? It's probably not going to happen because they're on the West Coast. You know people complain so much about seeing Yankees, Red Sox, so much on national TV? Oh, yeah. I want people to get sick of seeing Dodgers and Padres. I know I won't. I won't get sick of it.
1: It better be, if it if it, if it it comes down to Yankees, Red Sox, or Padres, Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball, it better, it better be, Padres, be the Padres, Dodgers.
0: Especially if it's at Chavez Ravine. And this year, for sure. If it's at Chavez Ravine, I want to see them on Sunday Night Baseball with the sun still somewhat high in L.A., but starting to go down in the later innings. You want to see a beautiful setting, Chavez Ravine, and a late afternoon, early evening game. Aren't many places that are more beautiful as far as settings to watch Really? ball game. Chavez Ravine, dude. Whew. West Coast game on Chavez Ravine. Oh, it's it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So when are we going? Uh, <laughs> um, if it's up to my wife, probably not this season and maybe not next season. She'll be like, uh, you're taking him with you. I mean me, you and a baby.
1: No, I was just kidding.
0: No, but then again, knowing my wife, she goes she goes, Okay, I'm coming too. Because my wife is actually a pretty big baseball fan. Nice. she's she brought this up, and we—this was we maybe a few years in dating—and she's like, "I want to go to every ballpark in MLB." And I'm like, "Okay, kind of one of those you mark it off on the list. Like, <laughs> might want to keep this one around." But yeah, she's she's all for it. She wants to do like every MLB ballpark. How
1: I'm many like, of okay. you guys
0: knocked off? Not many between the two of us. I mean, she's now granted she's got one on me that I don't have. She's been to the old Yankee Stadium. She's from New York. She grew up in the Bronx. She's right. a Yankees fan, so she's been to the old Yankee Stadium. I have not been to the old, nor have I been to the new. So,
1: have you been to Three Rivers
0: for a baseball game? I I played in a game at Three Rivers when I was in high school.
1: Then I think you have her beat there. Then yeah,
0: well, <laughs> I, I'd like to think Yankee Stadium is probably a bigger gut than Three Rivers. That's what I'm saying, no disrespect <laughs> to the teams of the '70s. I'm just saying Yankee Stadium probably more of a better place to look at. But has yeah. she been to the old Shea Stadium? Um, she's been to old Shea. I've been past old Shea. I've never been, I didn't get to see a game inside Shea, but okay. I've been to Shea, but yeah, to Shea. No, it's a terrible joke. I want
1: to, um, I want to go to City Field one time. I have been
0: to City Field and it's gorgeous.
1: You got to go when they played the Nationals, right?
0: We, I did. And Stroman was going nuts in that game. I think mm-hmm. he had seven Ks in five innings. Stroman was out of his mind that night. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun game. And they had a lead, and I think they blew that lead and came back and won it. Either the bottom of the ninth, Pete Alonso onto. had a big one. Yeah, and it, it was we were, we were, we were high up in some of the seats, but we came down to like the lower levels just so we can see like closer to the field. And we it was one of those things like we were kind of standing like underneath the grandstand. We were there watching it, and we watched them walking off. It, it was cool, man. It was cool to see Mets fans that engaged in a game that late in the season, and have them win a walk off. That was that was fun. Hope it's like that this year. <laughs> I, if it's not, I'll be very disappointed. I'll be really disappointed.
1: You and me both, because I am all in on this year's Mets, and everybody knows it that's listening. <laughs> it's crazy, because there's a
0: lot of people who aren't really sold on this season, and the truth of the matter is there's like 20 teams in MLB who cannot win a damn thing. Let's not get ourselves. So, and there, there's nine, there may be like 18. There's a couple that will be on the cusp, but just, you know, these other ones are just going to stomp everybody in the grapes, but... There are a lot of fans who are kind of disenchanted because their team's not in it. Pirate fans are among them. And I'm telling them, like, look, your team might not be good, but we're going to see some really good baseball this year. Like, some of the lower teams, they're not going to look too great. But to 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 use the uh, Scott Van Pelt expression, how good is your good, when it's good on good in this league in 2021, we're going to see some really fun baseball.
1: And that's why we got MLB TV this year. Yes, we did. Because we love baseball. <laughs> yes, we do. Okay. So we will cover the AL Central next week. That will be more
0: fun than I think people would realize. There's a couple really good teams. Oh, on the, the AL
1: Twins Central. and the White Sox are going to be very interesting. The White Sox might be next to the Padres,
0: they might be my favorite team to watch this year. They're going to set some fireworks.
1: Oh, they hit They hit absolute bombs. Yeah, they are going to <laughs> set off
0: fireworks, dude. They're going to be fun. That'll be fun to do next week. In the meantime, we will take a break. When we come back, we got two things coming up here. We got to play pick a side, and we will play our favorite news headline game, Is This a Thing? A couple of these might be interesting. And, and honestly, I, I'm warning you now. If you are of a certain age, you might want to stay low. Just warning you now. Sunday morning grind.
1: Stick around. Welcome back to the Sunday Morning Grind podcast, Greg Finley with Josh Taylor. This is episode eight already of the Sunday Morning Grind podcast.
0: I'm already to the point where I'm losing count, and that's that's scary.
1: So is this the Tommy Maddox episode? Is that what we're gonna do? Ooh, that was a good one. I we gonna... haven't we haven't named any of them yet. No, I mean, by
0: number. That's usually what I like to do, and I haven't done that yet. I was thinking like Cal Ripken episode, but Tommy Maddox is better. That's a better.
1: Is, is he better? <laughs> I, let me put it this way: it's
0: a better reference as far as random jersey numbers
1: go. That Tommy Maddox is a good one. I like that one. Okay, so we'll go with Tommy Maddox episode. All right, it's time to bring back a game that we used to play on the Bucko Cast. Yes, when we did that together. R.I.P.
0: Uh, Jason Rollison. This was actually one of his big, big ideas.
1: Right. This is called Choose a Side. Uh, if you want to give us some ideas, I threw it out on Twitter. Nobody's interacting with us. It's like. I don't know why.
0: Follow the show on Twitter, Sunday SundayMRRNgrind, in and interact with us. We want your input.
1: Yeah. Tweet at us. Yes, please. So I said, uh, you know, we got some for this week, but please let us know what you want us to talk about for Pick, this, pick a Side because it's a fun game to play. It is. So after I threw that out, a couple of things came out the last couple of days and have a couple of topics to talk about. So number one. And you know that we're very passionate about baseball. Because we love baseball. Because we love baseball. So this one is one that might make me angry if it actually happens. Okay. So the MLB is using experimental role changes in 2021 with minor league baseball. They are looking at ways to make the game faster or make it more efficient. So in Triple A. They're going to make the bases larger, which I don't know why that means anything. At the AAA level, the sizes of first, second, and third base will be increased from 15-inch squares to 18-inch squares. So I can only
0: imagine if that's for like players trying to slide and avoid tags. Okay. That could be it. That might be it.
1: And maybe it gives the first baseman a little more space to put his foot on it so they don't collide?
0: Possibly. Maybe? Possibly.
1: So there's that. This one, This is the one that I'm not happy about. They are looking to ban the shift. In, in AA, they want to get, they want to, they're not going to allow defensive positioning. The experimental rule at the AA level is a limit on defensive shifts. The rule says that the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield, each of whom have, must have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. According to MLB, this restriction on defensive positioning is intended to increase the batting average on balls in play. So they're going to ban the shift. Next one, the step-off rule. They're going to limit pickoffs, and this is in high A. Okay. And in low A, they want to try robot umps. So, the MLB is looking at all of these now, and they're going to experiment it and then possibly implement it. My question to you, Josh, pick a side. Do you want them to ban the shift, go to robot umps, or let baseball be baseball?
0: The thing is, I, I feel like I need to pick a side for half of them. Okay. Or should say pick a side for two and then pick another side for the other
1: i I'll two. let you do that. I
0: am for widening the bases if it's a safety issue. Yes. If you, if you and I think it's the same thing as far as safety issue, especially around first base, especially when it comes to like players sliding into bases when they're trying to steal between second and third, if it's that for safety purposes, I'm okay with it. I might need to hear a little bit more exposition as to why they're doing that one. But for now if it's for safety purposes, I'm cool with that one. I am actually okay. There was another one. I'm trying to separate these in my head.
1: It's the there's pick pickoff rule. The pickoff rule. Thank okay. you.
0: That's another one that I'm for. Because I think there were times at critical parts in games where pitchers were able to step off and if they don't like what they see and it's different when we're talking about with certain runners on first base trying to steal. That's one thing. But if you got bases loaded, game is tied, it's the bottom of the ninth, how many times do you need to step off? How How many times do you need to come off the rubber because you don't like what the base running situation looks like? Or you got runners on second and third. Right. How many times do you need to step off because you don't know, you don't like what the base running situation looks like?
1: Oh, there's that one time they picked off the runner at second to end the game, but that was one time. And it's
0: one time. It's very, very rare. And most of the time if that happens, it's not because the pitcher's pickoff move was that good. It's because the runner was that unaware.
1: He fell asleep.
0: Because the runners, they just were not doing what they were supposed to do. That's what that comes down to. Right. And and for the most part, it's hard. It's really hard to get picked off second. If you got two eyes and two ears, it's hard to get picked off second. So for that rule, I'll say, okay, I am for the pickoff rule, and I am for the widening of the bases, just because I don't think those hurt anything. On the flip side, the thought of robot umpires, i have I have a hard time with them a even wanting to do this above the minor leagues. i I just don't see it happening because. And this has become, I don't know if this is a recent thing or what, umpires as a whole are just a proud group of people. I can't see them being too happy with being replaced. Oh, no. And they have a union, and I just don't see it happening. It's not even that I'm against it. I just don't see it being realistic. I just don't see it that way. So that's three of them. And then the shift. The shift. Banning the shift. Now, bear in mind, you're you're hearing from a person who did not play – a lot. Granted, I was on the team in high school. By on the team, I mean, I wore a uniform and I sat where the team sat. I didn't get my first taste of varsity baseball until my senior year. And even then it was largely limited. So, I will say that to say this. Of the few things that I could do well as a very limited varsity baseball player for one year, one of the things I was really good at was hitting the other way. You threw a belt high out, op- you threw a belt high out or have I was going to put it in right field gap if I was hitting right-handed. It was a a wrap that way. Okay. So going opposite field was one of the things I was the most proud of being able to do. Not only could I do it right-handed, but when I taught myself how to hit left-handed and became a switch hitter, I became pretty good at doing it left-handed too. And it was really fun doing it when I played softball when I got older. And you had people all lefty and they all just move over. I'm like, your funeral. Left center field gap, left field line. I was just dropping them in there. Or I'd even go 5.5 hole like Tony Gwen, And I got a couple folks that can back this up and verify it. It's not like I'm making stuff up. Shout out to Dan Hershick; He'd tell you the whole story. That's awesome. <laughs> but I'd go 5.5 hole like Tony Gwen. You put it on that hour and a half at the knees, I'm shooting a 5.5 hole every time. If you're going to give me that spot, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to do what it takes to get him on base. But I'm a guy that liked doing that. There aren't a lot of players who take pride in hitting the ball the other way. anymore Because The way the game has changed now, there is such an emphasis on slugging percentage. There's such an emphasis on hitting the ball in the air, getting it out to the outfield, trying to put it over the wall. There's just such a a change in it now. So I understand it from that perspective. But if you're not a player that has 30 to 40 home run power, and you're not trying to actually better yourself as a player who can hit the ball to the opposite field, that can work the gaps. That's on you. I got to question what you're doing and why why you're not doing it the other way. Like, what is keeping you from being a hitter that could become more talented or more skilled at hitting the ball the other way? There's a reason why certain hitters became the hitters that they were. Tony Gwynn was absolutely masterful at hitting the ball the other way. There were so many hitters that were good at it over the years. That's how their profiles became better as hitters. In a game where so many numbers can become incentivized, especially when they help you in another contract. You mean to tell me you don't want to learn how to hit the opposite field because it might give you an extra 15 to 20 points in batting average and probably give you an extra extra million or two in your next contract?
1: That makes sense to me. And the fact that these teams are doing such research on these players, you're going to penalize them now and go, oh, you can't shift anymore. It's like it, we did our research and we know that this guy's going to hit it down the right field line every time. Why wouldn't we be allowed to position our defense that way?
0: If you can't position your defense for certain hitters, why have scouts?
1: Exactly. Why
0: have You might as well make all of your advanced scouts go home. Because now they can't do their jobs as far as scouting the other team's hitters.
1: And now if you can't shift, that is benefiting the hitter over the defense every time. Because they're just going to hit the ball right where you would have shifted.
0: And (laughs) guess what it will not do? It won't make games shorter. Because it's actually going to lead to more runs, which might make games longer. You're overthinking this. Yes,
1: and I think that they, they think that, well, if they shift, they're going to get the guy out more, and that's not fun to watch. So it's more fun to watch the team's not allowed to shift and the guy's going to hit it right where they would have been. You go, wow, I really wish they would have shifted because they would have gotten him out, especially if it's my team that's on defense. I hate that. So if they, if they ban the shift – I'm gonna be really angry. They've been in the shift. More runs are going to be scored, and games are going to be longer. This is going to happen, and we're going to bet the over a lot more. <laughs> we are going to bet the over a ton. <laughs> okay, I'm with I'm with you. I like I like the base if it's for safety protocol. I really hope we don't have robot umpires because it's a human baseball is a human error kind of game. It's always been that way. It should always be that way.
0: Well, I I shouldn't say. I agree with you, but I don't agree to the part where it should always be that way. I think there's always ways to fix things that are wrong, mm. but I'll come back to this. Umpires are a proud group of people.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's what I'll that's, say. That's a fair point. All right, next next topic. This is not sports-related, but oh I saw— uh, Shout out to KDK TV News, who you work for. All right. Doing away with daylight savings. Apparently— they are They are talking about doing this. <laughs> it's been a discussion for a while, and when you
0: understand the origin of daylight savings time, kind of makes sense.
1: So are you for it or against it? I think I'm for it. I'm for it too. if If I can get daylight till seven thirty in the winter instead of five, yeah, I'm all for it. I think I'm for <laughs> it. I don't think.
0: I think it affects the summer being longer, the days being longer in the summer, but days being longer in the winter, it probably helps you because if there's more daylight, that means it'll be a little bit warmer. And then in that case, it might allow, as far as like snow and ice, gives it more time to melt. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking a little bit too far into this. No, I'm with you. If that's where I'm going with that, daylight savings doesn't bother me as much. I I don't know. Then again, in wintertime, sometimes some days are gloomy enough, you're like, just let the sun go down and let this be over. Like it, it depends. But I'll I'll generally say I'm for it, just because what the original, what the original motivation behind it was, and what it is now. I don't think they're the same thing. I don't think we live in the same kind of time frame. So I'll say I'm for it.
1: Can you tell that we're friends? We agree on everything on this show. <laughs> we we make it too easy. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, should these NBA players be allowed to just demand trades and not show up if not traded? What's coming out now? Andre Drummond's not showing up to the Cavs anymore until he is bought out or traded. Aldridge isn't coming back to the Spurs until he's bought out or traded, so he's just not coming back. Um, James Harden already did it, and Blake Griffin just did it, and now he's a Brooklyn Net. Should they be allowed to do this?
0: Draymond Green answered this question better than I ever could a few weeks back. The rant that he had Mm. about teams deciding that they want to try to move players or they're going to move players. And then they sit those guys while they're trying to sort out what they want to do. And Draymond Green's argument was, so let me get this straight. You're going to tell this guy, we're going to trade you. We're trying to move you. We're trying to get rid of you. We're trying to you know go in a different direction. And now I got to come in and be around the team and possibly not play and try to maintain myself as a professional when you're doing this to me as a player. But if I want out and I decide that I'm not going to show up, I'm the bad guy. The teams can't have it both ways. And people are going to say, oh, well, you know, there's a team, they're paying the player, it's the player's job to show up. Okay, that's fine. But here's the thing. What happens if you have a lineup where your best guys decide, you know what, we're not showing up. Or worse off, worse off, it's 2021. Sports betting is now legal. What if players decide, you know what? Screw these guys. I'm going to start shaving points. You want to bring that back? No. You want to make that a thing again? Absolutely not. Do teams really want those problems? Do you want Vegas being able to have influence over guys who may not be happy? Now, I'm not saying that this is something that's going to happen tomorrow, but you're opening this door. Because if you're going to make it to where teams can try to do whatever they want, if they're going to move guys, but guys that want out have to continue to remain professional and show up and do everything else, you really going to put it past somebody that's motivated enough and pissed off enough that they might not try to find another way to hurt you? I would not. Don't open that door. <laughs> I, I'm. Am I saying I'm for players just doing whatever they want? No. But I see where they're coming from. Because teams, for some odd reason, because of their own bad decisions and mismanagement, think they can do whatever they want. And if this is the only counter, the team's made that bed. Sorry. Ownership needs to look at better ways to run their own teams. I, I'm with Draymond Green on this one.
1: Okay. I, I don't like the, that Aldridge and Drummond are just not showing up anymore to play, but I understand what your argument is for it. I I don't want that to happen.
0: Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be for it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, in some ways, the teams have forced the players' hands. That's fair. I don't think every situation is the same. But using the context that Draymond Green used a couple weeks back, he's not
1: wrong. That's fair. All right. That was was pretty good we had three good topics there yeah i like that one all right we'll bring that back again once we once we see more things to talk about all right the daily savings part was fun (laughs) i hope it happens all right time to play our favorite news headline game
0: you hear the music you know what time it is it's time to get crazy it's time to play our favorite news headline game is this a thing where greg and i we look over a few things that happened during the course of the week whether it be a headline, whether it be something in news, whether it be something that's discussed or something someone said, and we say, wait a minute. Is this really worth paying our attention to? Is this a thing or is this is this really fake news? So we gotta break this down. We got four topics today. That we're really gonna get into. I and mean, these these are these are fun. I think all of these are fun. Well, three of them are fun, two of them are fun, one of them is okay, and the other one is, oh wait a minute. <laughs> one of the fun topics. And I, I want to get into this because I think this is so great. We talked about this. Was this a week ago or two weeks ago? We talked about the subject of Jose Canseco being the player hater of the year.
1: A couple, couple episodes ago. We
0: was talking about Mark McGuire, like, hitting with a cork bat, like, completely unprompted out of nowhere. But one of Jose Canseco's biggest biggest topics to be a player hater on is Alex Rodriguez. He, he's He's just – he just – Hates Alex Rodriguez for some reason. Now, January 12th of this year, Jose Canseco tweeted out, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez will go their separate ways this year, and Alex Rodriguez will hook up with a fitness model. Now, I say all of that to say this, because according to, I believe, I believe it was, oh, there's a couple of different publications, but I want to say it was New York Post. They had the story about Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. They have reportedly broken up, and they have called off their engagement. So they, they, they're not even, like, putting the wedding off. They are no longer a thing, for better context. So, my question to you, Greg. Jose Canseco predicting the breakup of Alex Rodriguez and J-Lo while still being Hater of the Year. Is
1: this a thing? Do you think he had a hand in it? I don't know. I'm kind of concerned that he might have had a hand in it.
0: Remember in previous tweets, he was putting it out there like Alice Rodriguez has been involved with this person
1: and Jennifer Lopez, you don't want to be with him, he's a terrible human being. So you may not be wrong, but is this a thing? Dude, as soon as I saw the article, I texted you and said, How long until Jose Canseco says something about this? And then you <laughs> sent it sent me the tweet and you're like, and there it is. There it is. <laughs>
0: Wasting and and he quote tweeted his original prediction with Alex Rodriguez is the most predictable person on this planet.
1: (laughs) He called this it's a thing, it's 100% a thing. I think, I think the funniest part about Jose Canseco's Twitter is like, I just imagine he wakes up from sleeping and just goes, All right, whose life do I want to ruin today? (laughs) Mark, Mark McGuire? All right, let's do it, and just throws out a tweet. And then does it to Aaron, too.
0: Jose Canseco is the Silky Johnson of baseball players. He is the player hater of the year just about every year now. And
1: everybody hated him when he was a baseball player.
0: (laughs) If you got beef with Jose Canseco, like reconcile it because he's probably going to call you out on something that you're doing because he's player hater of the year, man. Silky Johnson of baseball players. That's all I'm saying. What if
1: we could get him on the podcast? Would you imagine?
0: That would just be, like, a good 20 to 30 minutes of just insanity.
1: I'd be like, all right, dude, like, really, why do you hate A-Rod? <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: we'd have to try to do it Oprah-style, though. Like, I want to get an Oprah-style interview with Jose Canseco. I want to talk about Mark McGuire. I want to talk about A-Rod. I want to talk about everything, like, I want to talk about, like, the steroid, just the whole st- the whole steroid era and just have him spill all of it Oprah interview style.
1: If any of you are friends with Jose Canseco, Hit him
0: up. <laughs> hit him up and then hit us up because we want to make this happen. All right, let's, let's move on to this one because we can talk about this one all day. Um, let's move on to this next one, though. And this is from – I want to make sure I'm, I'm citing this properly. Um, actually, this is a tweet from Yahoo Sports. Yahoo Sports tweeted out recently. I want to say it was in the last couple of days. Michigan State announces basketball team will now be called MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. And then they put in parentheses, no, we're not kidding. But yeah, Michigan State announced an endorsement deal with Rocket Mortgage. And this is is part of the announcement. Under the new five-year deal, Detroit-based Rocket Mortgage will be the presenting sponsor of the famed men's basketball team, which will now be known throughout the Breslin Center as MSU Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. My question to you, Greg, big-time college sports finally completing the process of becoming entire corporate sellouts. Is this a thing?
1: It's starting to become one with this one. I mean, I've never, ever seen something like this before, where a college team has a sponsor on the, na- on the end of its name, and now they're not even the Michigan State Spartans. They're the MSU Spartans. Are you kidding me? <laughs> MSU
0: Spartans presented by Rocket
1: Mortgage. So whenever we're watching basketball, March Madness, they're going to say, timeout called by the MSU Spartans presented, presented by, by Rocket, Rocket Mortgage. Mortgage. That's That's what they have to do. That's what they have to do. That's so stupid. But money
0: talks, man. This is worse than when Texas was having individual games sponsored. Texas football was
1: sponsoring individual games. Oh, yeah. This is worse than that. It is. Because they're the only school that's doing this. Yes. (laughs) It's just going to come off dumb.
0: (laughs) Here's what I'll say. Because... It's not like it's this surprising. The college football playoff, it's about money. March Madness, it's about money. That's why they keep talking about expanding the field with more teams playing. Because they can get more money out of it in the TV deals. We see this coming. This is why baseball games can't be shorter. Because of the advertising and the money that comes out of the TV production. This is why that, what we were talking about earlier kind of cancels itself out. It's not possible. Right. There's too much money involved. Exactly. I will say this, and I'll, I'll let this one go. Because I can talk about this all day. If Michigan State wants to do this, fine. If other teams and even other sports, if they want to do this, fine. But we need to settle this argument against actually compensating players for their name, their image, and their likeness. Agreed. If you are going to attach corporate sponsors to find more ways to get more money out of this, then you should have no problem whatsoever compensating players properly for their name, image, and likeness. So Michigan State, go nuts. Everybody else, go nuts. But when the time comes, cut that check. That's what I'm saying.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: It's a thing, but you better be ready to deal with it when it rears its head. Now, we got about a few minutes left here. I'll, I'll get to this one quickly because I think this is a good one. Announcement that came out this week, and this, this, these are two leagues that you and I are passionate about. If you listen to the Sunday Morning Grind, you remember our partnership with our friends up north in the CFL.
1: Pretty soon we're going to be the Sunday Morning Grind presented by the CFL.
0: <laughs> we got to get on the phone, man. We got make that happen. Now we're getting somewhere. But the, the the discussions and the Rock, who, by the way, who owns the XFL, who bought the XFL from Vince McMahon and his group recently, I believe it's him and his ex-wife that bought the XFL. He made this announcement. Hey, the XFL and the CFL might be partnered up to try to do some things together. Is this a thing, Greg?
1: I think it's a great idea. I think it because, is, too. Because the CFL, being its own league outside of when the NFL is playing, it they play in the summer. Mm-hmm. And the XFL was playing in the summer, right after the NFL season was over. The AAF folded. Yes. So one league oh, by—
0: RIP the American— Alliance of Football. Remember wonder if we picked those games? Yes! We had our own
1: teams. Yes. Dude. <laughs> but yeah. Those games. But yeah. So the CFL by itself was attracting Canada fans and you and me because we were dumb.
0: <laughs> because we like playing games called golfer or CFL player.
1: Correct. But like nobody in America would watch the CFL. It just doesn't happen. So, CFL
0: is an exciting brand of football. I'm going to put that out there.
1: It is. And I actually enjoyed it for whenever there wasn't baseball on. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So the XFL was picking up some speed until COVID. Then they had to shut down. Right. So I think if you partner the two, now you have two brands of talent. It's not just XFL talent. It's not just Canadian Football League talent. Now you have a whole pool full of talent. Yeah. You can get the best of the best on these teams. That aren't in the NFL. Right. So yeah. I think it, it's going to put a better product on the field, which is what these alternate leagues have been trying to do for years.
0: And I think it's a thing because the guy behind the XFL right now played in the CFL. So he understands the dynamic of the CFL and how he can make that work and possibly try to improve upon it. Agreed. And and being the guy who's in charge of the NFL, or at least has the ownership stake in the in the XFL, to make oh find a way to, who can find a way to make this work so, I think it's a thing. I do too. Now, I I teased this one because I wanted to warn people. If you're of a certain age, you might want to protect your neck because I might come at you for this one because I think this is crap. But Rod Woodson, former Steelers cornerback, Hall of Famer, and I have tremendous respect for Rod Woodson. I will put that out there. Tremendous respect for him as a player. But we got to talk about this because this is something that I am very, very upset about. And not because of, not just because of what was said by one person, but was, was said repeatedly by a bunch of people. Bottom line, Rod Woodson, and this came from um, 93.7 The Fan, by the way. Rod Woodson talked about, and I should say the story from our friends at 93.7 The Fan. Rod Woodson had a conversation about specifically, and this is with our friends, Chris Muller, Andrew Filippone on the PM team. He talked about Juju Smith-Schuster and his, his social media videos dancing on the opposing team's logos during the 2020 season and how he didn't like it. And his, his response was, what do you get out of doing that? I'm reading the quote. You're doing it for your social media people, your followers. That riles up your opponents. If I see somebody dancing on the logo in the middle of the field on my home turf, after a while, you're like, hey, man, come on. Now, he went further and said, he was questioning basically the leadership where it we'll go from here. He said, quote, I think Ben Roethlisberger should come up to him. I think Cam Hayward should come up to him. I think TJ Watt should come up to him. All the leaders. I think Pouncey should have came up to him when he was playing. All those guys should have said, hey, Juju, I want you to have fun, and we want you to be you, but you can't do that. Now, my question. Rod Woodson questioning the Steelers' leadership and hating Juju Smith-Schuster's dancing, and there was also a question of whether or not Chase Claypool had diva-like tendencies. But old Steelers once again questioning Steelers' leadership and certain players. Is this a
1: thing? It's what he's doing. It is a thing. And it's... I don't know. It's not it's not good. It's not a good look. Here's why I think it's not a good look.
0: Not because I don't agree with what Juju Smith was doing. Not because I think wanting to expand your brand's a terrible thing. Or dancing on the other team's logo is a terrible thing. This is not why I'm against this thought. What I'm against specifically Is this coming from a Steeler? whom, by the way, I mentioned Hall of Fame career. Respect him as a player. But I got to go back and remind people like Rod Woodson, people that are Rod Woodson's age, people that grew up in a certain era. Basically, if you're like Generation X, the the earlier half and and older, I got to call you on this. Why? I got to remind people about January 1995. Now, Greg, how old were you in January 1995?
1: Uh, I was born September 25th, 1994, so a couple months old. So you were an infant. (laughs) Yes, I was. I
0: was in high school. Or Take that back. I was in the eighth grade. I remember very well around that time, January 95, there was a song out called 60 Minute Men. You know who made the song, Greg? You know who was involved in the song?
1: Was it Rod Woodson?
0: There were players specifically on that Steelers team that were involved in this song called 60 Minute Men. Well, guess what? Guess who heard about it? The Steelers' opponents in the AFC Championship game, the San Diego
1: Chargers. Mm.
0: You know what the Chargers did? They beat them. They came into Three River Stadium and beat them because the Chargers were pissed about hearing about this song. And they came in and beat them. For the record, the team that beat you when you cre- while you were creating a Super Bowl song, when you hadn't gotten the Super Bowl yet, was coached. I think it was coached by Bobby Ross. And the quarterback was Stan Freak at Humphreys. You do not get to tell people what to do when you were guilty of worse. Your own team was guilty of worse. I want to know who's questioned in the Steelers' leadership in 1995, particularly in January. How did that go off? Nobody did. Glass houses. All I'm saying. I'm sick of this whole thing with people who are too old to grasp the concept of social media being a monetary thing or grasp the concept of players realizing that it's only business with teams until teams don't need you anymore, and you need to make money another way somehow. Get in touch with everything else. The problem is not the system. The problem is you, because you won't adapt. They're trying to find a way to adapt. Now, if they didn't find a way to do that, and they were out of the league in a year or so, we'd be talking about how they're broke and all they blew all their money. They're trying to secure their own future. Am I saying that what they're doing is the proper thing to do? No. But it comes back to Rockwoods, Woodson. it comes back to the 95 Steelers. Glass houses. Oh, this wouldn't have happened to Bill Cower. You're right. It already happened under Bill Cower 25 years
1: ago. Glass houses. That's it. Okay. You might as well close it out before <laughs> I keep going. Well, next week, we're going to – Bust some brackets, Josh.
0: <laughs> or they'll get busted.
1: That's what I mean. We're gonna go we're gonna go look at how our brackets are doing because March Madness is next week. So we'll talk about that. Talk about if things are things. Maybe we'll play another round of pick a side. We'll see what we can do. Please tune in again. Follow us on Twitter at Sunday Morning Grind for Josh Taylor. I'm Greg Finley. We'll talk to you next week.